Please join with me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. God, our helper, show us your ways and teach us your paths. By your Holy Spirit, open our minds that we may be led in your truth. Pour into our hearts the power of your grace so that we can find the courage to be faithful through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, How is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter into the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, How are these things possible? Jesus answered, You are a teacher of Israel, and you know these things. I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what, what you have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except for the one who came down from heaven, the human one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him isn't judged. Whoever doesn't believe in him is already judged because they don't believe in the name of God's only son. This is the basis for judgment. The light came into the world and people loved darkness more than the light, for their actions are evil. All who do wicked things hate the light and don't come to the light for fear that their actions will be exposed to the light. Whoever does the truth comes to the light so that it can be seen that their actions were done in God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You don't know my uncle Clint, um, but he was a unique man to say the least. He was in the US Army, Air Force, a veteran, served in World War II in Korea, 
he was a little on the eccentric side, and for big holidays, he uh, had restored this scale Civil War cannon. And he would bring it out, and we'd fill it full of black powder, and the thing would just go off. Uh, you'd feel it in your chest, and the kids would just love it. It was this big old boom. When I think of uh, fixing up, I think of my Uncle Clint, uh, the carpenter, uh, the guy who was always out in his shop turning a piece of wood or turning something that was otherwise useless into something beautiful, resurrecting new life into old material. But I have this strong memory of his study. I remember as a child walking into his study, and on his wall there were these framed papers, degrees, certificates, achievements, maybe a hundred frames, a hundred sheets of paper. Wall-to-wall accomplishments of things that he had done in his life. Things he had nurtured and, and fostered and, and kind of grew. Things that his life had produced. <clears throat> but looking back, there seemed to be something missing from his wall. Something that's missing from my wall. And I'm willing to bet something that none of y'all have hanging up in your office. Something foundational to all of those degrees, certifications, and achievements. A birth certificate. <laughs> No one frames their birth certificate. No one puts it on display and proclaims to the world, look, here I am, I am born. I have the credentials to be born, recognize my birth. No one, no one argues with someone about being born. I don't walk into Pastor Peter's office and say, oh, I see your ordination for the United Methodist Church, but don't see a birth certificate, must not have happened. It's just not there, no one has that conversation. It seems ridiculous that we would waste time trying to prove to one another that we are actually born. When Christians get around and discuss the the new birth or being born again or born anew, we often forget this. And we forget that the birth certificate doesn't matter. And what matters is the life itself. Now to Nicodemus, this had to be confusing. If we are confused by the story, and if we begin to wrestle with Jesus, with what he says, and if we begin to grasp on what he says, I believe we too will be confused. Because it raises a host of questions. And they're questions for us to wrestle with. And that's a good thing, because Nicodemus is wrestling with these questions. The book of John, we should remind ourselves, is a unique book in the New Testament. There are four Gospels, uh, four versions of Jesus' life, and they are all different. They tell different perspectives. They don't all agree with each other at the same time. They highlight different travels, different conversations, and work to prove different points. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what scholars call the synoptic gospels, meaning to like see together or see the same. It's the Gospel of John that's a very different book from the other three. John is basically a book about seven signs or seven miracles and their interpretations. Several I am statements and 27 interviews, which sort of build the theology of John. Also present in John are a number of themes, like the kingdom of God and light and darkness. You'll notice that when Nicodemus first comes to Jesus, he comes to him at night. And the rabbis of old said that the first thing God does when God creates is separate the light from the darkness, and humanity has spent the rest of their time trying to figure out the difference. So the interview with Nicodemus and Jesus raises a host of questions. And Nicodemus asks one of these, how is it possible for an adult to be reborn? In the translation here, it's kind of funny. Because the word Jesus used 
in Greek is anothen, which means born anew. It can also be translated as born from above or born first. It has a bunch of different variations. All that to say is that there's ambiguity in how the word can be used and how it is set. And how it's used is determined by its context. And the context in this passage seems a little off. It seems strange because Nicodemus didn't ask anything about a birth. Nicodemus, excuse me, didn't even ask a question. It's almost as if Jesus senses where this encounter is going. Or maybe, and we don't have any evidence for this, Nicodemus and Jesus had had conversations prior to this and talked about being born again, a resurrection, or eternal life. Either way, the encounter leads us right into the center of the discussion. What does it mean to be born from above or born again? I think being born from above or being born again can be understood in two main ways throughout the gospel. The first is a physical resurrection. That is the afterlife. When we usually talk about being born again, we talk about this at Easter and we confess this in the Apostles' Creed. The second is the spiritual resurrection in this life. How we are raised to new life, how we have a new identity, how we are renamed and restored, given new life. The first understanding, the physical resurrection, the one we typically talk about on Easter, is definitely a part of this passage. You can understand this passage to be talking about the physical resurrection of the body, and you would be correct. You can also understand this passage (laughs) to be about the spiritual resurrection we receive when we allow the Spirit to work in our lives, and you would be correct. So I want to challenge us today to think that maybe the reason Nicodemus is confused is because Jesus intends a double meaning. So yes, Jesus is talking about being born again, that is being resurrected and given a physical body in the afterlife, and yes, Jesus is talking about experiencing resurrection here and now, being resurrected in this life. To gain some clarity on Nicodemus's and our confusion, if you'll bear with me for a moment, we're going to take it from the top. Nicodemus is a Jew. Jews are children of Abraham, and Abraham was chosen by God to receive God's blessing. So to put it plainly, the inheritors of God's blessing are the inheritors of God's kingdom, according to Nicodemus, are the Jews. Jews are God's children. They are the inheritors. So Nicodemus will see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is an inheritor of the kingdom. What is all this being born from above, being born again nonsense? Nicodemus is an expert in the field, and Jesus has it wrong. But Jesus and the narrator tell us multiple times that it's not how it's going to work. In John chapter 6, we read, The Spirit is the one who gives life, and the flesh doesn't help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. There's that spirit and flesh distinction again. This life, the Spirit gives it life. It's not about the birth certificate. It's not about the natural birth or the heritage. It's about the Spirit. The Spirit is what makes people born again. Makes people born from above. So Nicodemus is wrestling with this question because his context tells us the Jews are the inheritors. But who are the inheritors of the kingdom of God? God's children. And who are God's children? 
The light came to his own people, as it says in John chapter 1. And his own people didn't welcome him, but those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children. Born not from blood, not from human desire or passion, but born from God. Children inherit. God's children inherit. Those who believe in Jesus' name are born of God. They will inherit the kingdom of God. They will receive resurrection, and they are born from above. So it's no wonder that Nicodemus throws a fit. This isn't how it's supposed to work, right? Nicodemus is supposed to be in. Nicodemus is supposed to inherit. Nicodemus is supposed to experience resurrection. But maybe, just maybe, Nicodemus expects this. And that is his statement when he first encounters Jesus, isn't it? First heard this in John chapter 3. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, there are lots of ways to read that. We don't have inflection. Is he being sarcastic? We don't know. But I like to think that Nicodemus is speaking honestly and from the heart here. Perhaps it's Nicodemus' humility, his willingness to seek Jesus out, that will lead him to experience this resurrection for himself. Not simply because of his heritage, but because he is born again. Not because Nicodemus, uh, because Nicodemus comes to believe in Jesus' name. So why might you think Jesus believes, uh, Nicodemus believes in Jesus' name? I have a little bit of evidence for this, so we'll, we'll go with it. Nicodemus shows up again in the book of John. We first encounter him here in the dark, asking questions, pondering about resurrection. And then we encounter Jesus again in chapter 7. He's sort of arguing with the Pharisees, and he's arguing about, you guessed it, Jesus. And then we encounter Nicodemus again in chapter 19, helping Joseph of Arimathea anoint Jesus' body after his death. And I bet he came to Joseph in the daytime. I like to think that this Nicodemus came to experience resurrection. You see, what Nicodemus is coming to understand, and what we need to understand, is that we are in deep need of resurrection. I see marriages crumble under the weight of lies and deceit. I see families struggle with alcoholism and substance abuse. We are in need of a resurrection. I see the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. We are in need of a resurrection. I see dictators oppressing their people, starving them, enslaving them in work camps. I see racist Nazis and white supremacy groups showing their faces and spouting their hate unashamed. We are in need of resurrection. Amen? Amen? So what does this resurrection look like? The resurrection in this life, today, here, and now. Well, first we need to note that we don't do it ourselves. This being born again is not some nirvanic state of mind that we can attain. It's not some sort of solidarity with the big consciousness in the sky. No, resurrection and new life, being born from above, is grace from God. It is a free gift. And the good news is that this is what Jesus offers us. Jesus offers us new life. He offers us a new spirit, a new way of living. 
It is through Jesus that we experience resurrection now and here, a way of living that transforms our moral life, one of self-centeredness to other-centered. From I'm right to God is right. C.S. Lewis illustrates this, I think, very effectively. He talks about how our, our um, normative posture is one of an inward bent. We are hunched over creatures, always concerned with ourselves and our little world and doing things our way. And what the Spirit of God does and what new life and new resurrection does is it straightens us. It changes the posture of our hearts so that we become more upright creatures that we become more righteous as Christ is righteous, that we become others-focused and more God-focused instead of self-focused. So brothers and sisters, we are in the process of becoming upright people. Our posture is being changed and shifted by the love God has shown us through His Son, Jesus. We are all fixer-uppers, and God is working on each and every one of us. And Christ offers us resurrection here and now. God does this in a unique way, and we should notice that Nicodemus is right. To be born again isn't to physically go through the birthing process again. No, to experience this resurrection here and now is to allow God to breathe new life, to foster life where there are already signs of life. God doesn't ask for the birth certificate. It's pretty clear by virtue of you being here that a birth has taken place and life is taking hold. We shouldn't waste our time sitting around and arguing about the actual birth because life is happening. To participate in resurrection is to take a step of faith and cultivate life and resurrection where we see it. This is what resur resurrection here and now is. You look for signs of life, and you cultivate that into something beautiful. Much like we've been doing with this door for the past few weeks. We look for signs of life, and we say, no, you're not done yet. And we breathe new life into it. We resurrect it and give it new purpose and a new identity. There's no need to have the birth certificate ready. You don't have to hunt it down and frame it. There's no need. Because we are people who are experiencing new life, resurrected life, here and now. It doesn't matter so much that you have the birth certificate. What matters is what we do with the new resurrected life that we have been given in Christ. So may we be people who cultivate, foster, and grow life wherever we see it. And may we be people who participate in God's resurrection. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.